Welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Carly Sharon. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Baxter. And today we are here with my cat Darwin's least favorite person in the whole world, Hunter Fairson. Thanks for being here, Hunter. No worries. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Happy to have you here. Uh, so maybe to get started, can you just give us an overview of what you what you study here at Western? Yeah, so I study occupational therapy, so we're over at Elborn College. Uh, most of you probably don't know where that is, but it's the most inaccessible building on campus, I would argue, which we all love to laugh about because OT is very much about making things accessible and allowing everybody to participate in occupations. Uh, yeah, we study just like a wide range of activities, so most people, when you think of occupation, you think of like a job. Uh, we try to turn away from that and count occupation as like everything you do. So, you know, brushing your teeth, eating, walking, all that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about how the program works? Because I think being uh, being a practical sort of almost professional program, that might be a little different than our research-based guests or our audience are used to. Yeah, so we have, mm, I'd say, five to seven classes in the first year, and they're very focused more on like an undergrad, you do a lot of work that's like marks, marks, marks. And our goal is kind of to change away from that, I guess, and more get like a mindset shift, I would say. Because um, OT is very like you need to work with your client and like they're the expert in the goal. Like as much as you might know, you need to realize that your strategies you're going into might not work for that person. So you have to like kind of pull it out of them and like get them to answer the question. And then you just help facilitate that. So our program is really focused on like teaching you how to do that, I guess. So like interviewing skills, like stuff like that being comfortable with silence. I know a lot of us are really bad for that. Um, yeah, and then we have like placements. So we go work with like OTs. This is the first year they're actually trying to simulate a placement, which has been an interesting experience to say the least. But Can I ask what, like what, what drew you to occupational therapy? I suspect your undergraduate wasn't in occupational therapy. So how'd you end up here? Yeah, so my undergrad was in kinesiology, um, and my goal, I was going to apply, like most of us probably, to physiotherapy, which I think a lot of us did, but I actually did a two-year college program before I started. I did OTA and PTA, which is the assistant program through the college, um, and one of our profs was an OT, and I thought it was pretty cool. There's a lot of opportunities to work with kids, I would say, in the field, and that's kind of what draws me to it. I've been a camp counselor for like longer than I've known Carly, which is probably like seven, eight years. Ten. Um, yeah, ten at this point. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I wanted to work with peds and there's a lot more, I would say, in the field of occupational therapy than physio. So when I applied, that was one of my goals. Um, yeah. So I don't quite understand what an occupational therapist does per se. Can you elaborate <laughs> on that a little bit? Me either, Carly. No, I, <laughs> uh, yeah. So occupational therapy, it's a very like holistic approach. So they kind of look at you as a whole individual and take into the context, like maybe your environment you're in, or like if you're in an accident, like if you're in motor vehicle accident, you know, left side of your body struggling to get back to it. So you'd work with like physio for that, kind of work on the muscles, but OT might look at it and be like, okay, what are some ways we can maybe adapt what you want to do? Or like, I don't know, the definition they always give is like, we help you get back to either like what you're expected to do, what you love to do, or like what you need to do. So like need to do would be your basic care. So like hygiene, feeding, that kind of stuff. What you want to do would be maybe like leisure. So like if you like video games or you want to go snowboarding, like they'll look at that see what way we can get you kind of back to that and then what you're expected to do um i guess i already did that one that's self-care the other one productivity the classic job look at it where it's like okay what do you need to do to earn money or like a lot of say insurance claims come through they're like hey we want this person to return to work what do you think they need for us to facilitate that 
Okay, so is occupational therapy more focused on like changing the activities, whereas physiotherapy is more like helping the person like physically recover? Yeah, so physiotherapy okay. in the sense would be a lot more like muscle based and okay. like they do also use like assistive equipment because like you kind of work hand in hand, obviously, mm-hmm. from a lot of healthcare fields like that. But yeah, physio is a lot more worried about like muscle strength, range of motion, that kind of stuff. And like while we do worry about that in occupational therapy, we also focus on like, okay, what are some other ways? If that's not our main focus, how can we get you maybe back to those a little bit sooner while you work on your range of motion with your physiotherapist? Okay, I see. That makes sense. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me, none of us know. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure for there's more than one definition of occupational therapy depending on what you're doing, right? So y- you mentioned you you like working with children. How how does that apply to working with children? Like what's what's a scenario where a child needs an occupational therapist? Yeah, so a lot of that would be in school based. Like they have a big OTs in schools. Um, and then you kind of also like in that sense because you're working with children, you have to worry about you know the adults that are kind of part of their care as well. So you'd work with maybe teachers on like educating, hey, like this is you know part of their IEP, like the educational plan. I'm sure you guys mostly know what that is, but um, and you would talk to like, hey, like are there ways maybe we can rearrange the classroom so it's more accessible for this child who's got like a walker or something, and then like make it easier for them, or even like fine motor skills, so like writing and stuff. Um, just like different ways to even look at assessments like if they can't write can we you know bring in computer let them type that kind of stuff that's really interesting so this is probably a question that everyone hates getting but like (laughs) what would be your dream kind of job like you said you really like working with kids like what would be your dream job at the end of this yeah um, for a long time I've like I said I worked as a camp counselor so I think it'd actually be really cool to maybe see if there was a way to incorporate camp kind of with occupational therapy or like some of the Mm -hmm. skills that you know these kids need to go to school and like not get judged I guess is a good way to put it um so just kind of like working with children at like a camp over the summer and be like these are some skills we think are pretty important which is like odd because occupational therapy you're supposed to try not to generalize too much like it is very like we said individualized for each person but obviously a lot of things are transferable even most of what we learn is supposed to be transferable skills um, I think that's what I would want to do. Like, so I'm just where I have like summer camp and then it's come learn unique skills. I guess that might be nice. Even just a, like simple stuff, like how to brush your hair if you can't grab mm-hmm. a brush or something. Um, having, I've worked in schools and in camps as well, and I've never worked with an occupational therapist. Like I've worked with special needs resource teachers uh, and mental health workers that, uh, you know, involving youth. So how does occupational therapy, like in that context, perhaps in a school or a camp with children, how does that intersect with other healthcare professionals? I guess I wonder what's the occupational therapist's role when there is already, say, a special needs resource teacher or somebody who's thinking about accessibility. Yeah, yeah so I think you would work probably hand in hand. Like it sounds really simple and kind of like the cop-out answer, but yeah, like a lot of what you're doing is supporting them and like getting their feedback. Cause honestly, like they probably work with that child a lot more than you do. And like, mm-hmm. they're gonna be the experts, I guess, in that field. So just kind of working with them and then like offering suggestions or like even just education on like how might we go about whatever their special needs are or what are better ways to allow it that the kids are also involved like in their classroom. Like it's, we don't want to isolate them, I guess, type of deal. Um, It's still definitely a field I need to do more research in. Like I, as much as I know, and like that is what I want to do, I'm very limited. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like I haven't actually worked. I know one of my friends that just graduated last year was actually an occupational therapist in a school and they actually are switching to teaching because they realize like it's very isolating as the OT like you're not eating lunch with the same group of teachers every day so if you want 
uh, be part of that like school community it's probably not actually like for you i guess because you go to your school do your thing eat lunch your car and you got to go to different school like you're not there all day do you think you'd rather be an occupational therapist who moves from school to school helping lots of kids or would you do you think you're someone who'd rather be in a school you know with that population all the time yeah, I think if the opportunity was there to stay in one school, it would be beneficial because then you obviously get to learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. But the hard part that, with that is not every school has, yes. I guess, the workload you need, right, or, like, the caseload. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm super independent, like, very happy to not be a part of a group, I guess. Like, I'm <laughs> not against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not against it, per se. Like, obviously, it'd yeah. be nice. Like, I even, like, getting to know people's socialization, very big thing, especially if you're an undergrad kid, like, your peers literally get you through school Mm -hmm. like we get very stressed Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'd be open to moving around i just think that if i can make a difference in like even one kid's life then to me i'd be like Mm -hmm. okay i did it like it was worth it like yeah i think like what you said at the camp that would be really nice and especially if you're working with the same group of kids for a long duration you really kind of build those relationships that would be really sweet for sure yeah and just getting to see like the progress they make Mm -hmm. or like the different challenges they might face like a lot of diagnosis are usually lifelong right like you know they have ups and downs some are very steady but it'd be cool so what made you want to get into kinesiology i guess in the first place because that's kind of what started you on this path yeah so tough question um classic answer i guess for any kin kid very athletic as a child with tons <laughs> of sports but uh no i did one month at fanshaw <laughs> in <laughs> computer programming and quickly realized that I did not want my hobby to come become my job. Like sitting behind a desk was not for me. Like I wanted to be at least working with some people or like hands-on physio, especially like I was talking about in the beginning was my goal. And like my cousin's a physiotherapist. I got to do like a placement there. And it was very like the people aspect of it mm-hmm. was what intrigued me because computer programming was me sitting on my computer daily going do 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 okay now I'm gonna go have fun oh what am I doing playing on my computer okay I don't want to do this anymore like I'm you know tired of being on my computer so (laughs) what would you say is your favorite part of the program here at Western for occupational therapy like for example if somebody asked you hey I'm considering this program what what really sells it for you (laughs) yeah um I do think so far it's like the classmates and the profs like Carly laughs over there because I just spent the last like five minutes kind of joking about how it's very unorganized for now but they do their best and honestly they're very supportive like mm-hmm. it's a lot of opportunities I know in the first week we got to go like a conference like the huge occupational therapy conference and like we're all showing up like oh this is cool we have no idea what's going on but it's very interesting even like our one of our profs actually gave like the keynotes and we all sat there in amazement and just went what is any of that mean like <laughs> and now she's teaching us occupational science and you know we're back in the same seat like a little kid going like huh <laughs> but i do think they're very welcoming and like we have so they used to have anatomy as a requirement to get in and they took that out a couple of years ago so now we have like people from like kin engineering like psych very different majors that you're like how do they all kind of play in the same role i guess for like yeah. an occupational therapist so it's very cool to just see how different people are thinking about it. And, like, honestly, even as, like, an aspiring OT, it's nice to see because you're like, oh, like, these are, you know, viewpoints I could get behind and, like, see how they could be helpful in my practice. So I think that's probably my favorite part, yeah. just the different new people. Yeah, like, that. that's a pretty amazing diversity. Like, the, the only occupational therapist I know, I think she works um, more on the healthcare side of things, or helping healthcare professionals with when it comes to occupational therapy. But it sounds like 
you've got something totally different in mind and they're both occupational therapy and that's very cool. It's the very jack-of-all-trades kind of thing. Like, we like to joke that we're specialists in everything, but at the end of the day, like, you just, you have to learn. Like, some of the job is literally getting down and, I don't know, the fast, probably 5, 10, maybe even more. I actually don't know that well. But, like, we got into, like, car insurance and, like, even just automation. And, like, one of the aspects of that job was you went and worked on the assembly line to learn what does it take to be an assembly line worker. Because, like, how am I supposed to provide you treatment on an occupation that I have no idea how you do it. Like, mm. so I think that's cool. It's very hands-on. You get to try new things. We tried juggling the first week. <laughs> I am atrocious, but. <laughs> so wait, you actually went and worked on an assembly line? I didn't start. Okay, that's okay. not a personal example. Okay. Yeah, that was one of our profs had to do that when she started. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, okay. they used to do knitting. That was part of our requirements, but wow. they got rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sewing and knitting, that was a major part of OT back in the day. Um, but yeah, so now it's a lot more like I was just talking about earlier, like classes on like how can you pull information out of people to understand what you need to know to then make an assessment of, okay, this is maybe an area, we call them like occupational participation factors. So it's like, why is this maybe not enabling you to do your occupation and then work from there? All right, so I have a question. Um, beyond the obvious of like, I'm injured and I need an occupational therapist, like what's what's a key sign that somebody could benefit from seeing an occupational therapist without you know being obviously injured or away from work yeah um this is a very good question yeah. obviously it's a lot easier to see the like biomedical side like mm -hmm. you're talking about the injuries um honestly like a lot of people could use occupational therapy which is you know job security quote answer uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess I would say like even like mental problems or like if you're struggling with something like addiction like I know that's a very looked down upon type of deal I guess in like our western society like it's like oh like you drink alcohol that's harmful but it's like well in moderation I guess like obviously it can be but it can also be a big part of people's lives so it's like I would say anybody that wants to work on a skill even if like you want to learn something new like you could do it's very expensive to learn a new skill but <laughs> yeah i don't know that's not a great answer i guess to your question i would have to probably get back to you to be honest no, no that's <laughs> all right like, um. so kind of going back to how the program works so it's entirely course-based but you mentioned that you do placements but you're doing simulated placements can you explain that a little bit yeah so it's course-based it used to be marks a lot of our courses now are just pass fail which i think kind of emphasizes that like they want you to have the shift in mindset of like yes marks are important especially for like you know scholarships all that jazz you guys probably know as researchers very funding based kind of life um but they switched it to more pass fail to get you to switch kind of more into like a, okay how do i stop trying to solve things immediately like i need to learn more before i can solve stuff so like even in initial interviewing like we talk about a lot of okay if i'm talking to you for the first time i need to remind myself not to immediately the moment you say oh my left arm hurts i can't go oh well just do this it's like no you need to figure out why does the left arm hurt or because it could be something completely different like it could be a cognitive thing it could be a mental thing um but yeah so i guess in the program sense yeah, we're class-based in that way, and then now we're doing simulated placement um, where we're just, like, practicing the skills we learn, I guess, in labs. So, like, we have to do certificates on, like, MOCA training, which is just, like, an assessment to get cognitive function type of deal. And then we would do that in placement, kind of test it out, and we have simulated patients. So it's, like, you go in, you do, you know, talk to them, introduce yourself. You have to get consent, obviously a big thing in healthcare especially. 
and then you kind of have to try we do a lot of reflecting i love it (laughs) (laughs) but you reflect on like how your interaction went and then the preceptor there would give you feedback on like hey this is something maybe you missed or like you know you kind of skipped ahead like you've nailed in or like focused in on one thing they mentioned where they were like oh like you know my shoes aren't fitting and then all of a sudden you stop talking about everything else that mattered to them and you focused on the shoes it's like Mm -hmm. It obviously is important, but there was probably other things. And also, like, you could have just asked them what their priority was. Like, you know, I was telling Carly earlier, it's a lot of, like, tell me more. And then you sit there and wait for them to tell you more. And it's <laughs> it's funny to think about, but it works surprisingly well. <laughs> no, I like this idea of simulated placements or simulated patients because mm-hmm. then your professors can, like, really tailor specific situations that they need you to know about if you're going to be a successful occupational therapist. So I'm sure they can't cover all the bases, but um, that's kind of unique that they can sort of construct something that they need you to learn that you might not necessarily encounter if you were just put into a real world placement. Yeah, and that's a really good thing to like bring up is like the real world aspect of it because it's like we work with vulnerable people at very vulnerable times in their life. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love to like hate on how I'd be way better if I was in a real placement, it is simulated placement is so nice for the people that are slightly anxious to go in and do it or like very nervous that if you do something wrong it's going to hurt someone and in real life that might happen whereas with simulated placement it's great time to make a mistake like if you need to make a mistake that's the point of it you're going to learn something and then the goal is that you take that experience go into our second level placement where it's in person and now you're like okay these are things i did that had real life consequences and like we're working with real people like this could harm them how do i avoid doing that and how do i learn to do better yeah that's a really great point um so just kind of going back to the the program it's a two-year program correct yeah that's true yeah and i should know this what year are you in (laughs) i'm in first year so i'm in second semester first year okay and then we have two month placement at the end of this term so it's starting in may june you can have either may june or july august two-year placement or two months sorry um, and then I think we got two months off the other two months and then we're back in September right till December again. Then we do another placement for I think two months and then I should know this too. But <laughs> And then, yeah, I think we do class again till April, two months end in July. And then we come back for like, well, it's online. It's like a recap kind of class to like make sure you're ready. Cause at the end of it, you have to do a national exam. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's important to note, I guess. <laughs> But yeah. So so this summer, is that a simulated placement or real world? So the summer one will be real world. So okay. we're in the simulator right now, right. and that's only on Fridays. Mm-hmm. It's 150 hours that we have to get. Wow. Um, yeah, so it should be, our hours should be done by the end yeah. of April, and then we should be prepped for placement, which I still don't know where I am, which would mm-hmm. be nice to know for housing, but... <laughs> oh, so you might not necessarily be in London. Yeah, okay. and that, I think, is the reason they're doing simulated this year is because there just wasn't enough OTs to take students right. in, because if we have only Fridays and we're in classes, you kind of have to be in London. Like, you can't expect someone to drive up to, like, yes. I don't know, northern Ontario, like, eight hours away, and then come back on a Monday. Like, it's pretty unfair. So yeah. it does make a lot of sense, and it takes off the workload. And even, like you were mentioning, it takes a lot of stress off the OTs where they're, like, okay, I'm getting this student. I don't know what they actually can do. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, at least we have some placement stuff where you can be like, hey, I've done this assessment. I've tried this. These are things I know that, you know, have worked for me in the past. What are your suggestions? Yeah. Where do you think you'd like to be for your placement? Yeah, so obviously a big question. Um, we have to do one mental health placement, one physical, and then like combined ones. Mm. I think my goal is to try to save peds till the end because 
you know, if it goes well, maybe they'll hire me. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I haven't thought about it. I'm probably like Chatham, Kent area, live yeah. at home, yeah. save some money. You know, life's expensive nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what field. Like, I'm very open to all of them. I just think yeah. it's fun to learn. So. so we've talked a lot about your program. What do you like to do outside of grad school? Yeah, so outside of grad school, I like to play sports. So I play volleyball intramurals with an OT team. Uh, we're better than the other OT team. <laughs> uh, I play like soccer on Tuesdays. I just like to hang out with my friends, which is really funny because if you ask anybody, I'm like, I would say the most extroverted introvert you'll ever meet. Like I love to be in my house and just doing my own thing. But if anybody asks me to go out, it's like immediately I'll be like, yep, I'll be there. Like, And then when I'm there, obviously I enjoy it. But the whole time I'm like dreading going. I'm like, I really don't want to go. I really don't want to go. And then I'm like, why didn't I want to go? This is great. Like have a good time. So I do that. Um, I don't do much else. Sports, school. School is very busy. (laughs) Oh, I guess I work. I do support work with a man with autism. It's pretty cool. Mm. I get to go eat sushi and they'll pay me to eat sushi. I think that's my favorite part of the job. Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, That one's cool too because I think... Like, that's another field where OT even could work, like if yes. autism, stuff like that, other diagnosis. But it's definitely helped my mindset of like, okay, I know he can do these things because I've seen him do it. How do I help him convince himself that like, these are skills he can do? Because like, it is hard. Like, he's very, I get say his biggest concept is money. Like, he just doesn't understand how money works. Mm-hmm. He understands that like, he gets money for funding, but like, he doesn't understand how he can spend it or like, for his example, he gets like, I would say, I call them pools of money where it's like, you get a pool for groceries and a pool for activities and a pool for this. Whereas when it comes to him, it's like, oh, I have this large amount of a pool. And it's like, well, no, cause you have to dip into this pool. And if you dip into that from this pool, then it doesn't really work out. And then you end up in trouble. So that's been fun just trying to work with him. And like, even just like seeing the progress he's made on some of the skills, like he knows like, okay, when I get groceries, like, I need to start with essential things. And then if I have enough money for that, like I can move on and get kind of more of his wants, which is mm-hmm. super cool because in, at the first place, that was hard. We'd be going by like $80 of cheese on the first <laughs> visit. And I'm like, okay, I know cheese is great, but like, it's not really the most nutritious thing. So that was a cool aspect. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't have to do with your program or your work, but I, I am kind of curious. Um, how has... How has that our pandemic experience changed occupational therapy? Um, like I know that's a big question, and you weren't necessarily in your program during the pandemic, but um, has something really changed about the field because of what we've been through? Honestly, I would think yeah. Like especially like we talked about earlier, one of the things is like return to work, and now it's like mm. we've had two years almost of like. I wouldn't say evidence-based because I'm not too sure, but like (laughs) work at home works. Like people can stay at home and get their jobs done efficiently, if not better. So it's like, that's a nice aspect of OT where it's like, now we can look at it and be like, hey, is this a possibility? Like, is your employer okay if you, you know, progress slowly back to work, but you start at home doing more hours? Because I'm sure everybody loves when, you know, you can get more out of your employer. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that'd be a big aspect for COVID. And then just a lot of the health stuff that occurred where it's like, okay, we have, you know, more precautions about how we're doing things or, like, why we're doing them. Even, like, I know a lot of OT moved online now where it's, like, because it is interview-based and, like, you can do home assessments from your computer. Like, you, you know, talk to your client and be like, hey, like, can you kind of record your house, walk around and, like, show me some things I need to see? Gives me an idea of, okay, is there anything going on here that I think might be an issue or can we look at that? 
um, I don't, my, our profs always love to talk about just like grab bars everywhere. Like, you know, <laughs> go into the bathroom, oh, put a grab bar there, I'll throw another one yeah. here, like, throw six in the toilet for no reason. Like, so, the whole the, house is loud. Yeah, yeah, like literally. <laughs> it's like, oh, I see you have a towel rack. Yeah, we'll just replace it with a grab bar. A towel can go on it, but at least then you can grab it. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's my mother. My mom works with adults with disabilities, and that's yeah, that's a classic one in my household too. Is yeah, where's the grab bar? Come on. <laughs> Your mom has cleared Home Depot out of grab bars. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking, but they work well. Yeah. <laughs> Multi-purpose. <laughs> so that's one thing we've been looking at that actually I think is hilarious. Is that like raised toilet seats are a big thing, but mm-hmm. it's like there's pretty much one common like toilet seat that they made, and now like. People have the fanciest toilets. So it's like, oh, yeah, we'll recommend this toilet seat. And then you're like, wait, it does not fit that toilet. Like, What do you mean a raised toilet seat? So, like, sometimes after, like, a good example is, like, hip surgery. Like, you're not okay. allowed to bend your hip over 90 degrees or, like, too far. Like, you have precautions from your doctor. Okay. So a raised toilet seat will just bring it up so that you don't have to bend as far down. It's, like, easier to get up, especially on your knees. Older population especially. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know if you can think about, like, but getting up from the toilet seat can be a lot of bending (laughs) so the toilet seat will just bring it up like three four five inches and then just make it a little bit easier for you to get up and down from the toilet so it's just like a really thick toilet seat yeah and it's just like (laughs) a plastic thing that like sits in the base of your toilet and then is an addition they also have like a toilet toilevator is what they call it and it's just like a three inch like plastic stand fits right under your toilet so like somebody would have to come in obviously lift your toilet fix all that but yeah it's very hilarious to see (laughs) That's neat. They have that option if yeah. people need it. <laughs> Throw a grab bar there too while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, we love them. <laughs> My final question for this interview is why are you so mean to my cat Darwin? Why do you make him hate you? Yeah, so actually that's something I've had to reflect on. Like going into occupational therapy, one of the things we have to talk about is... Why do I hate this patient? Yeah, like... <laughs> sounds rude but yeah some people actually do (laughs) just like the critical reflexivity of like your biases and your you know taken for granted assumptions is what we like to say like i'm very i'm from a very conservative small town where things are very whitewashed and like what do you mean our town is the most welcoming and accepting (laughs) town you could ever go to (laughs) (laughs) yeah not to get political but it's very like taken for granted okay like these things happen this way and that's how it's going to be everywhere where it's like it's not really true. So Darwin hates me because, you know, I have cystic fibrosis. So <laughs> so it's the cat's problem, Carly. It's, it's his problem. Not He's an sorry. ableist. Yeah. Raised him poorly, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so in a real scenario, yeah, like you just, you know, you have to kind of sit back sometimes and be like, okay, like, am I thinking this because that's how I've been taught to think? Or is this actually how it's applied to like a real world scenario? Because, like, you're not going to know. And, again, like you say, like, the expert is that. So, like, if you don't know, feel free to ask questions. Like, you know, have to ask certain questions certain ways and be very specific about it. But you want to avoid microaggressions because, like, really building rapport is the number one skill that OTs do. Like, I don't know if you guys know what rapport is, but. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What rapport means, Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's that, like, relationship. If you can build a relationship, you can pretty much do anything in occupational therapy because, like, it's built on trust. And, like, working together takes a lot of trust. And, like, we talked about, like, these are people who have probably been through the system and thrown to the ground and, like, tossed aside a lot. And now we're coming in and be like, hey, trust me. Like, I'm great. It's like, what? No. So. 
I love that you've twisted this question about my cat into this very actually thoughtful yeah. and great like, answer. I, I, I'm sold. I'm ready to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my going rate is. <laughs> okay. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Ryan Baxter, and my co-host was Carly Sharon. We've been speaking with Hunter Farrison, and this episode was produced by Jordan Vanderbert. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.